welcome to Carry On. Hi, guys. And welcome to the Sex and the City Podcast. Samantha's like, he's got the most perfect dad. <laughs> How did this happen? How did they get the message that the ass is now on the menu? I've been dating since I was 15. I'm exhausted. Where is he? Thanks. Bye. Great sex. Oh. <laughs> oh, I really like this method, which is like the reclining. It's nice, the reclining right? It's nice for you. Poor Joe's over there by himself, all segregated. No, I'm good. I feel like we're on like a radio show. Yeah. And this is the table, you know, this is how it would yeah, be. That's we should true. do this to all our new guests who aren't Joe to intimidate them. Yeah, have yeah. the guest mic and then the Yeah. You guys have you seen can you tell that I panned it a little bit? Yeah, I it sounds you good. A little left and I panned us a little right. Wait, what does yeah. that mean? When so, people listen, is it gonna Well, I mean you can always move They'll it just back have a Joe whispering in, in their in right my, ear. In my left in their left ear. In their left ear. And we're in the right ear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's balanced. Yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> Hello, Ru- uh, <coughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're not rusty at all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Carry On, the Sex in the City podcast. I'm your co-host, Alec Wells. I'm your co-host, Cat Wells. With us tonight. I know that you haven't had enough of him. <laughs> you just heard him, but you know what? We all wanted to hear a little bit more, and that's why he's back, Joe Gillette. Hey, everybody. Hey, wow. Long great. time no see. Yeah, great to have it you back. It has been. We, um, so thanks, guys, most of you, for your patience um, in us taking a little break from the last episode. Dudes, we don't make no money from this podcast. We have such a great time, but sometimes life gets in the way. Alec got an amazing gig writing on a TV show. Um, I started writing for a website. So some other stuff has gotten in the way, but, like, we love you guys, and we're always going to come back. We're going to finish this thing out. It's just there just might be some breaks in there. So it's it's just it's I just all good. I want to say this is all Cat's fault and I pushed yeah. and I pushed. Oh, yeah. did you? Yes, to try and record more episodes and she said I don't give a shit. That's right. About the people who listen to this. Yeah. Wow. So That sounds like the truth. Direct your hate email toward her. <laughs> Joe, it's great to have you. So good to be here. You're very insightful. It's a podcast so you're in soundful. Okay. <laughs> Dad jokes, okay. Lord, I love them. Now, um, now we just finished watching yeah. season three, episode seventeen of Sex mm-hmm. and the City, entitled "What Goes Around Comes Around," uh, which aired October eighth, two thousand. That's Arthur. Thank you for contributing. It was directed by Alan Coulter, written by Darren Star, and a little IMDb trivia bird told me that this is the last episode that Darren Star wrote mm, what goes around comes around i guess Whoa. wow uh uh th- this is the penultimate episode of season three uh it sort of feels like a penultimate episode to me especially the end of the episode with sort of positioning carrie as single again and on the prowl and big is single too yeah, I feel like, and we'll talk about this next episode more in depth, but I've always felt like Cock-A-Doodle-Doo, which is the the ep- the ending, the, fu- well, fuck, the finale, there's actually a word for it, yeah. um, to this season, has always felt like kind of a nothing episode to me. Yeah. This one feels more like, like nothing really happens in that episode, yeah. but um, th- a lot happens in this episode. Uh, 
this has been to me this is more than any other season of sex in the city the one where we sort of go on the darkest journey with carrie she dates the perfect guy then subsequently cheats on him and what i really appreciate about this episode is that um carrie gets her just desserts she uh she apologizes is that a to missed Natasha. opportunity that like they didn't do some kind of a dessert storyline yes give her- yeah no? yeah yeah I-, I think charlotte's storyline should have been about like is that a dessert it's not a dessert not unless you live in hell um, I was thinking of (laughs) creme brulee yeah that's like that was that was what you were going for you went to foie gras (laughs) that delicate dessert right after dinner yeah (laughs) um so I, what I appreciate about this is I, I, and and what's so brilliant I think about this episode is that Carrie gets her opportunity to apologize to Natasha, which in and of itself is an incredibly selfish thing to want, but she apologizes, and then the episode lets that apology hang in the air for a minute, as though we've reached some resolution. As though maybe and, she's gotten what she wanted. Yeah, and these two women can come to a detente. Um, but uh, as we'll discuss in a minute, that that's not the case. I really love that about. I love that. I that feels like risky storytelling. They're not to afraid me. to let Carrie kind of fall on her face. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I and I really appreciate that. But let's start. Let's start with uh, uh, the lightest of the storylines. <laughs> let's talk about Samantha Yee-haw! in this episode. So Samantha, um, she starts getting calls for a Sam Jones. But uh and they're asking about an epic party. And this is not Samantha as far as we know is not having an epic party. So she finally picks up after all of these messages have been left for her <laughs> asking about said wild party and Joe, what is she what does she say? Exactly who is this Sam Jones? And where is this fabulous party? She says, who is this Sam Jones? And what is this fabulous part? <laughs> One of many incredibly funny moments on the this episode. Um, and it just... It's just a perfect, like, it's one of those things where I cannot imagine another actor doing as good a job as, yeah. as Kim Cattrall does at that kind of re- just really outrageous moment. So she's receiving, she's receiving calls for, for a Sam Jones that is not her, and she decides uh, that she's going to go to this fabulous party because I guess it's been so talked up on her answering machine. Nobody has answering machines anymore. No. This is this dates like we're talking about, you know, 15 years later, what's still relevant about the show, what's not. I guess you have voicemail yeah. on your on your cell. But that's a thing, too. Right. Like people. I feel like there's this really popular, I don't know, thought process now that's like who's leaves voicemails anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because I, I doesn't bother me. Yeah. Like, if you call me and you don't leave a voicemail, I assume that, like, it wasn't pressing. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't bother me 
to leave a voicemail. Um, and I feel like for a lot of people, it's like, I, I don't know, it's become a thing where, where it's like, why, why, right. why do people leave voicemails anymore? Just text me or whatever. Right. I feel like it's kind of nice when someone's like, hey, I just want to let you know, da, 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 whatever. It yeah. doesn't bother me. Uh, one of the best things that's ever happened to me is the recent kind of like voicemail transcription that yeah. the iPhone offers because mm-hmm. then I could just without having no assignment, almost just fell down off of the cat tree. Um, um, For some reason, I get, like, crippling anxiety when it comes to, like, unlistened-to voicemails. And anyway, it's nice to me to be able to take a quick visual glance, uh, which is redundant, Department of Redundancy Department, um, at, at, at my voicemail, and I can see right away... Like, just through skimming the words that they've translated, no matter how badly they've done it, yeah. whether it's important or whether I can, like, just text them back or call them back later. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I it's get it. It's so convenient. Well, yeah, because a lot of times, to be perfectly honest, I let, I, I like, I don't know, this is going to be, I don't feel like it, well, with my friends I do this, but, like, I screen yeah. my phone calls. Yeah, yes, sure, of course. Of course. So... Uh, if I know that it can go to voicemail, I'll get the information that I need in the voicemail and then I can reply via email yeah. or whatever or via text. Yes. Then I will. And I'm speaking mostly about like acting stuff. Like if it's my manager or my right. agent, a lot right. of times I'll just like, you know, I'll be somewhere and I'll let it go to voicemail. And then, yeah, you can read the little transcription and, and, and it's helpful. But but I think in general, like does it bother you guys when people leave a voicemail for you? No. I – I was trying to think of the last time I left a voicemail. Okay. And it was to my dermatologist's <laughs> office to order a refill uh, of my medicine because I have terrible dandruff. Whoops. Gorgeous. Oh, you can say that out loud. Yeah, and I um, can say that. No, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, what, what's the point? Uh, this is way off topic, but what is at this juncture – you leave voicemails for a couple reasons. Well, first, the classic reason, which is to let a person know that you're trying to get in touch with them, in which case which just they the missed call alone them. <laughs> get, lets them the little red name in your recent call Ooh, log tells people yes. that you called. Secondly, I mean, I guess the only the only reason I could think of to leave a voicemail is that I want to give somebody bad news and then never speak to them again. Mm-hmm. Or Which, the voicemail would be a good place. The to only do that. other reason is if you're Alex's stepmother and you want to leave me. Literally, this happened a couple of weeks ago before Christmas. I I had been speaking to her on the phone about Christmas and she kind of confused me a little bit based on like who we draw names for or something for some gift exchange. And so I said, instead, and I was like, oh, wait, can you clarify that? And she was like, I'll just, I was going into work. She was like, I'll just call you and leave you a voicemail. And I was like, okay, because she could have just t- explained it right then. Yeah. But she proceeded to call me and leave me two in a row, two four minute long voicemails. Wow. And I wish that I hadn't just deleted my voicemails because I could show you the transcription. Is It's so many ums and so many, like, and, and it wouldn't mean anything to you, but, like, so much redundant information we'd already gone over on the phone that, like, in the entire length of the, the transcript that Apple had done, she hadn't yet gotten to the point. And it yeah. was four minutes, two four-minute-long voicemails. I didn't listen to either of them, and everything happened just fine at Christmas. That's a real skill. A lot of people say that about our podcast in general. It's like a long voicemail 
with no point. Uh, so Samantha decides to go to this party. She brings Carrie along with her. Little Easter egg for you. Uh, the I think I they're at NYU, and uh, the name of the hall is Coulter Hall. The director, director of the episode, Alan Coulter. I noticed that too. Now I don't know if there is really a Coulter Hall. Probably not. I doubt it. Yeah, I really doubt it. It would be too much of a. Has the kids say a coo winky dink? Yeah, I yeah. hate that kids say that constantly. <laughs> Just little me. kids, though. I know yeah. all the kids. Um, I'm hip. So they go to the party. And Samantha introduces herself to Sam Jones, who's this sort of gawky, blonde, uh, randomly Southern. Southern. Right? Mm -hmm. Randomly. And and I don't understand. The thing is, I I actually think that their, spoiler alert, subsequent sex scene is pretty funny. But I feel like the extreme, like, country musicness of it and his over the top like yee-hawing would be would land better if they had just taken a little bit more effort to to, to establish his southernness yeah. before that like they do he does say like well that explain why I'm still a virgin or whatever so you hear him be southern but I wish they had like established that better because then that entire sex sequence would have been like completely flawless That's- don't don't you feel like she could have just it could have been in Samantha dialogue to Carrie. Yeah, totally. it could have been like, oh, that little Southern boy or yes. something. But they that never really virgin mentioned cowboy. It. Yeah, That's... anything, any extra piece yes. we could have yeah. gotten there. That's what leads me to believe that in the audition, the actor who got the role made the decision to be Southern, and they liked it, and they cast him because there is there is no story reason for him to be Southern at all. And I, I, my guess would be that he he did the audition with the Southern accent. They thought it was funny. They put him in it. They shot the episode. And then in post, they added the, like, cowboy music. Well, except that yeah. he's yee-hawing. He's, Which he's... I was definitely an actor ad-lib. Like, sure. I yeah. really believe sure. that was an yeah. actor ad-lib. Yeah, and then ad-lib. they were like, we'll go with this. It's funny. Which it is. I mean, yeah. you know. Because... Yeah, it, yeah, because there was no reason for him to just... The, the point of it was just that he was a young college kid and he was yes. a virgin. Yes. Right. There was no other character development beyond yes. that. So clearly he yeah. brought that And it also role. raises more questions, really, yeah. because it's like, he why is he at NYU? Yeah. Where did he come from? What's his deal? And it's not like a classic Southern thing, like, have sex with the Southern boy. He'll never leave you alone. Like, that's not a no, thing. No, it's not a thing. No. So, it is now. That old yeah. trope. <laughs> well, we are getting ahead of ourselves. So we should say, Samantha and Carrie show up to Sam Jones' party. I, I And when they see it's a dorm, Samantha still perseveres. She's like, yeah. I've got to talk to him. My question is, what is talking to him actually going to accomplish? Like, he's going to call all his friends who, or, or acquaintances, people he doesn't even know who heard about some party that's already in progress and say, hey, go back in time and don't bother this lady. He can't help people looking in the phone book and thinking it's him and it's her. I have a good answer I mean? for this. I think it's Am that I just being dense? she thought it was going to be a fabulous party. And it wasn't until they actually showed up that she realized it was a college dorm. And at that point, they've come so far that she feels like she needs to 
like you know tie a bow on this thing and just but what does tie a bow on it even mean i don't think she, she marches into knew. the party and she's like where's sam jones she acts as though she's gonna solve this issue of all these people calling her apartment yeah. mistakenly but it's a, yeah. they're mistaken it doesn't really make sense, it makes no sense. Other, other than her just wanting to sort of like I don't know, introduce herself to say, hey, I'm a person. Yeah. I am the Sam Jones. This and is- this is a karma. This is an episode about karma. So it's like fate brought us together yeah. to meet for some reason. Yeah. I should check this out. By the way, Samantha, so many things are conveniently ascribed to Samantha for based on the storyline. Like, I don't think Samantha's ever once talked about like cosmic meaning or anything. Like, that's a Charlotte thing to say. But as Samantha and Carrie are are um post this party samantha's like do you think it's a cosmic sign that i'm supposed to fuck this young virgin i kind of like that about samantha i do feel like samantha sort of like puts on whatever dress of the week like it is that they're 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 trying yeah she's looking for any justification for her behavior so i think (laughs) it's like whatever is convenient for her yeah she's like oh karma great that makes sense yeah she's like oh we're talking about syrian refugees i'd take one in my vagina oh my god yeah um, Alex. So, uh, so you know, she meets Sam, and they they sort of have this little repartee. But but all all's well that ends well. He does bring up, as Kat mentioned, that he's a virgin, but it's sort of just a throwaway line. Um, and because uh, she says, I, you know, I'm getting all your fucking calls, and he's like, Well, if you're getting my fucking calls, that's why I'm still a virgin. The heel, the heel, the heel. So, uh, not because of that voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, afterwards, you well, know, Samantha's like, well, it must be my karma that I have to fuck him and give him the virgin experience I didn't have. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm Annabelle oh. Bronstein. <laughs> Gary's like, or is it statutory rape? Yeah. Thank you for being the voice of reason, Carrie. Yeah. Um, and my, I, I just, another thing I noticed when, during their raucous cowboy sex scene is, his deodorant crumbs? Yeah. Did anyone else notice that? Whoa, 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 that? hang up. We got to back up for a second. Because Sam Jones shows up at Samantha's place. Yeah. That's right. And is like, <laughs> oh, so sorry that I made people call your phone. Here's also, an old piece of tobacco I found from the farm. And then he spits it on her. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, and then he's like, oh, you're my beautiful thing I ever seen. And she's like, okay. Reckon what you like to eat in there. Well, the french fries are pretty good. French fried potatoes? Yep, french fries. How much you want for them? Well, they're 60 for the medium and 75 for large. Mm. I reckon I'll have me some of the bacon. So, Wait, I want to do it too. Let's fuck. <laughs> wow. I feel like I want to hear Joe go. Gahil, gahil. <laughs> that's really, that's Thank really you. He's like, come Thank on, you. Samantha Liz. I'm the pickle. <laughs> Samantha, can I make you for me to treat sandwich? I mean, you're not my cousin, but I'd still like to fuck you. <laughs> You're as old as my mother, but I'm into it. 
So he comes over to apologize, which is such a bullshit reason to come over, but he's just looking to get fucked. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and they got good instincts because yeah. it works mm-hmm. out for him. It, it does. Um, so they, they bone and that scene is really funny. It's funny. But um, deodorant he's got chunky pieces of Does he really? I didn't even notice his, it. In his armpit hair. And look, it's a thing that happens, which is why I have a word for it, a phrase for it. <laughs> yeah. But I just, the camera was zooming in right on it and I was like, oh, yeah. oh, why? I was thinking about the filming of that scene and like how. That must have been so weird. Yeah. Because it's like this young guy who's yep. probably like, oh my God, I'm going to do an episode of Sex in the City. Yeah. And I have a sex scene. Yeah. Not just with... any sex scene, like a, a really broad comedy sex scene. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and, and I'm sure, I wonder if like that was part of the audition, if he had to do some of that it's scene. It's got to be, right? Yeah. Because like, how would they know if how big he could go and yes. how crazy right. it could be? Because he's got to, he's got to ultimately turn into a fucking yeah. crazy yes. person. I'll also, bet, Alec, I'm sorry, I'm s- I was just going to back you up on what you said earlier. I'll bet you it's probably as broad as it is because that actor like went nuts. Yeah. They were like, that's hilarious. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I th- and this is like an actor thing, but I mean, I guess he probably has to take his shirt off in the audition. I mean, they don't yeah. want some, like, weird, like, third, third nipple. nipple. <gasps> yeah. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Kind of thing. Yeah, you I know? would think so. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess you oh probably have to. Do you want to hear about the do... time I had to take off my shirt? Yes, yes. I really do. Oh, man, this is a rough one for oh, me. Oh, boy. Okay, so. It was I love for... how you've got this, like. Sweaty balls. Yeah, you've got a great sexy MPR. public radio. I'm just very, com- I'm very comfortable. <laughs> you look so. comfortable, but like I'm, I'm also like, like I want to hear more about your about about your sweaty balls. about my sweaty balls. Yeah. Um, well, mine aren't sweaty. They're perfect temp right now. Yeah. P.S. Listeners and uh, okay, so I I was auditioning for this commercial and it was a uh, it was like some kind of Apple thing. Yeah. So it would it it was like it was like if you buy a new Apple computer the the like built-in videos and stuff that are like in there to demo things for you or to like mm-hmm. show off features and stuff. It was like something like that. Mm-hmm. It was like the first year I was in LA. Yeah. And so it was it was like a bunch of friends at a lake mm-hmm. and they were like jumping from a dock into the lake. Okay. And so I didn't really know the whole premise of this thing. Yeah. I just knew that it was like athletic, like you could be going on a hike or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I showed up in like shorts and like I had like a plaid shirt that I had was brand new mm-hmm. and I had uh, rolled it up to like the elbow. Yeah. And I got to this audition and I'm looking around the room and like everyone's in like tank tops and like board shorts yeah. or like bathing suits and stuff. And I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember it saying anything about that. And then, and then I, they called me into the room and I, and I stand on the spot and then the guy goes, um, he goes, uh, all right, and uh, go ahead and pop your shirt off. Oh no! He said, "Pop your shirt off." He literally said, he's "Pop like, your shirt off." Trying to make you more comfortable. Yeah. He's like, instead of hey. saying, "Take your shirt off," he's yeah. like, "Go ahead and pop, pop that, that shirt." Yeah. Just pop that shirt off. Just pop that shirt yeah. off. And <laughs> I was like, pop. and I hesit, clearly hesitated yeah. for a yeah. moment. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, he's like, we're not asking. We uh, we have to see it. They client Whoa. wants to see it." Whoa! Oh, and I was like, oh, my God. oh. And so then, th- this is like Jeez, nine a.m. in the morning. Yeah. And not that like you know I would have been able to make 
any difference at all if I had, you know, done any kind of pre-workout. Sure. <laughs> but like I was as soft as a human being could be <laughs> at that You'd point. You rolled out of bed yeah. a mere 27 minutes literally (laughs) like there was zero definition i was like man okay so so then he goes hey go and pop your shirt off and i went to take the shirt off and it was so tight around my arms that i like kind of (laughs) struggled so there's this really sad moment of like me like like trying to get, get this shirt off and feeling so gross and violated and this man just waiting for me to take my He's shirt like, off not asking telling yeah. not asking and then they just took he just took photos oh. so it was like I did like a pre-interview it was like what's your favorite food and then and then it was just going to be these photos of me with my shirt off and I just love the idea of the casting people scrolling through all these like really in shape men and like taking their tank tops off and then just me- I can't even imagine the look on my face when they get to my photo they're and like I- that's the microsoft guy yeah. <laughs> he's off brand so yeah i didn't get that part that makes me think about um the 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 incredible 2014 movie the guest um, oh. with Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey and many other places, but he's this like buff, sexy. He worked out a lot because he's supposed to be this like military machine of a guy. And um, there's a scene where he comes out of like the, you know the girl whose house he's staying in. She's like knocking on the bathroom door. She thinks it's her brother, and she's like, "Get out of the bathroom!" And he comes out, and the steam just rolls out of the bathroom. And he comes out in a towel, and he's all like oily, much like the rose gardener slash tray um, in this episode. And she's kind of speechless. And Dan Stevens said that, like, to to do that moment, he, you know, he'd already obviously he was already in great shape because he'd been working out. But to to really accomplish like looking really ripped and crazy in that moment, he did like, I don't know, like a hundred push-ups off camera, and then he he had. I don't know if this is a thing, but he had, like, not drank any water that day. And then he pounded, like, a 20-ounce Coca-Cola after doing all those push-ups. And apparently it made, like, his, like, heart rate. Because the caffeine and the sugar and, like, and and the blood pumping. And it just made his veins all pop out. Anyway, it's a moment I think about a lot. I mean, it's a great moment. It is. It's a great moment for many reasons. Cemented in time forever. Because of the beauty of film. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I'm sure we're going to touch on this, but the idea of like getting your body right for a part yeah you're gonna you're gonna want that moment to shine yeah like if you've worked that hard yeah. on your body you're gonna yes. be like you need to give me 20 seconds yeah. or you're it. just looking get, at my body that's yeah. right um i'm gonna right. look back on this 30 years from yeah. now and be like oh shit so sam jones and sam jones fuck a lot in a lot of different positions Positions. and um at the end of it sam jones the gentleman, mm-hmm. the southern gentleman. It's <laughs> giving now too much credit. Yeah, yeah. It's now it's like, glass menagerie. <laughs> he's like, "Well, you're not a Confederate flag, but I still love you." <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Get out, yeah. get the fuck out," because he's. She says, "That's not love. That's sex." And he's like, no, I really love you. That's not even Southern anymore. I'm not no, sure yeah. what that Just accent like, is. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's um, like goofy. Yeah. Yes. 
Joe, don't you think you and I should do a goofy movie podcast where every week we just watch the movie and find and just something talk about new? things we love? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, so you know, he's like, oh, "I love you, Sam. Dad, I love you so much." And she's like, "Get out." Um, and uh, and the resolution of that story is karma's a real bitch for Samantha. Yeah. Because Sam can't stop calling her. Ends up uh, accosting her. It gets crazy. At her door. She realized that in screwing Sam Jones, she wound up screwing herself. I mean, in the voicemails, talk about this is where this is where voicemails aren't okay. Yes, mm. is when you do, don't leave multiple voicemails. I don't think don't we're doing that these days. Of them in a row. We, there's no. I, I don't think there's actually any reason to do that. That's no. something new in yes. 2016. Yes, where this is going to probably be 2017 now when this yeah. comes out. Um, yeah, multiple voicemails doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Do we think that like? Do we think that a barrage of like? 17 to 37 text messages is the is the modern day equivalent yes, i do right because yeah. like if someone's not writing you back it's either because they don't want to or they're indisposed and yeah. they can't yes. so like you don't need to keep going hello are you there yeah, i think the yeah. only difference is that with text it's maybe even worse because um we've become conditioned to think that everyone is um ready sort of at a moment's notice to communicate yeah. because it's like i know you're you have your phone i see you look at your phone all yes. the time where what yes. could you possibly be yes. doing yes. that you can't respond to my text so i think with uh with on sex in the city it's at least the benefit of the doubt of like it's a home phone mm-hmm. they could be at work or yeah. something they could be asleep that's but, exactly uh, right yeah with text it's Ma- multiple texts the wall of text yeah mm-hmm. a big old monologue yeah in a text that's a little upsetting too let's talk about miranda please let's read our miranda rights the storyline hurts yeah it does so uh we'll talk about carrie in a minute but carrie gets mugged and that's how we meet uh miranda in this episode because she comes to visit carrie on her time of need and miranda comes upon a detective the detective on the case. Detective Stevens. Detective Stevens. Here's what I love about Detective Stevens. A truly handsome guest actor on Sex and the City, which is a real rarity. I'm going to say that these are the two best-looking guest actors I've seen. Yeah. That I can recall. Sure. Even yes. Sam Jones. He's a cute guy. Well, I'm thinking about The Gardener. Yeah, Oh, the and Gardner. The Gardener. I think Sam Jones is cute, too, yeah. like, when he's not making O he faces. He fits, yeah. But he's, like, cute and young and, like, but, yes, The Gardener and Detective Stevens yeah. are, yeah. like, uncharacteristically for this show, yeah. like, yeah. Pretty object- objectively yeah. handsome, yeah. like, gorgeous men. Yeah. So, uh, so, Detective Stevens, he's on the case. Miranda's there as the lawyer. Detective Stevens asks... If she's Irish, because she's beautiful. Has beautiful red hair. And uh-huh. has red hair. Mm. And Miranda is just smitten as a kid. I have to I have to talk about that moment, and this is really nitpicky, but it's bothered me forever, and I have to get it down on prover- proverbial tape, as it were, forever. Um, he says, you have beautiful red hair, you know, are you Irish? And she's like, I guess anyone can be Irish with the right colorist. Mm-hmm. Implying mm. that she dyes her hair mm. to be red. Yeah. But Brady is like born with red hair and grows up with red hair. Yeah. So if he doesn't get his red hair from his mom who has red hair, yeah. where does he get it from? He doesn't get it from Steve. Like, 
it it seems to me as though Miranda has naturally red it's, hair. I, I wonder if I mean this is give this is like I don't know what I'm about to say, but here I go. <laughs> You've already started. Um, I wonder if it's like a self deprecating thing mixed with the idea of like referring to other people yeah so it's like she's taking she's like not accepting the compliment that she has beautiful red hair on one hand yeah and on the other hand she's saying well anyone could have red hair like anyone could be irish so because they could all have so it's like she's kind of like deflecting the i think she's deflecting because that feeds into the storyline yeah which is that that's right that that detective steven's is so handsome and his jaw is so chiseled and his pecs are so mighty. You haven't and seen Detective Steven's his pecs. Hips is this are your so thin. No, I fucking Googled it. Ooh. All right. Ooh. His hips are so thin. His hips are so thin. <laughs> yeah. He has the thinnest <laughs> hips and it's so handsome. Does he have a thigh gap? Oh my God, he has an incredible <laughs> thigh gap. Um, you should see how. Unrealistic. Um, I, so, Miranda. Is, is intimidated by this. Miranda, Miranda, as we saw when she went to L.A., sees herself as the funny gal, the gal that, sh- that, that men are won over by through her words and how charming she is and funny and irreverent. She doesn't see herself as sort of the sex kitten or the one that a man would just be bowled over by looks alone. That's all it takes to win the guy over. Uh, but in this case, that that is true, and um, but he's also totally got like a brain boner for her. Yes, like, because she incredible. makes a funny. Yeah, joke. she made a joke right away. As a bonus yeah. to, to Detective Stevens, he's like, "Wow, this lady's hot," and then she's funny, and he's like, "Whoa, jackpot!" Yeah, I can. I found myself relating to Miranda in this episode yeah. because I find that I, I and this is. It, I th- I've always said that I feel like I'm an acquired taste. Yeah, you're and, crazy, and that's not in like a. That's not like anybody a, can be an acquired taste with the right colorist. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I tend to, I tend to feel like someone has to get to know me a little bit better. Yeah, and and that's just how I've always I've always felt that way. Yeah, so it's not something where I'm like ho hum about it. I just mm-hmm. know that I'm. I I like it to be about the humor or about personality. Yeah. Um. Be rather so so in that way, it's like you can you could objectively say that Miranda is a pretty woman. Yeah. And at the same time, still acknowledge that like she's not. There's a reason she's not playing Carrie Bradshaw. Right. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Do you, mm-hmm. Joe? If you based on all of that, if you had someone come up to you and like talk about how fucking amazing you are like how, like i'm so turned on you're so sexy like would you like just would you my immediately looks turn to yes would you turn to self-deprecation immediately like miranda does or like deflection 100 percent. it just happened interesting there was this girl who um who we were facebook friends and she but now she has a boyfriend and i just said hello to her and she was like She's she she hadn't responded for a really long time, and then I and then when she finally said hello back, it was like she did all this catching up about like oh I have a boyfriend now or whatever, and I was like oh that's great, and she was like yeah but I just I can't be like you're really good looking and da da da, and I was like what, and and she kept saying stuff like that. She's like I'm not good at being friends with like attractive people, and I was like are you, I was like 
I'm real like I can make really ugly faces. Like there's a huge <laughs> difference between like I always say like like someone like Brad Pitt. Yeah. He's so good looking. Yeah. That like even if he tries to look ugly, it's like funny and charming. Yes. Uh-huh. But like I can do unspeakable things with my face. Yes. And look I mean, I very you, unattractive. If you're listening and you haven't looked at Joe's album cover for his EP or whatever. Well, that's the best I could ever look in my life. That's <laughs> that, like Ricky exactly. Middlesworth. That's like, that's lighting and, yeah. and Everyone everything. Everyone should have a Ricky Middlesworth. Yeah. yeah. We all need that. Like, can I look Can I look handsome in a photograph? Sure. Yeah. I'll admit that. Yeah. But like, but yeah, for someone to be like, I can't talk to you because you're, you're too, too handsome. Hot. I'm like, please. Yeah. Like, I'll settle for cute on a good yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm totally with you. But see, that's the beauty of it is that when you're not, when you can't just rest on your looks, you have to, you have to come up with some other talent, you know, that, and I think that that's, that's the best. Like, I, listen, the elephant man told me like, maybe you should wear a bag on your head, you know? <laughs> so like, <laughs> I could see something brewing behind your eyes. I was like, what is he going to say? Um, so the elephant man's voice was messed up too, which is really, you would hope that he would at least have like a radio voice. Yeah. <laughs> But he's like, I'm the elephant man. He would have had such a different life. Or yeah. John, whatever his name was. Joseph Merrick. Joseph Merrick. Yeah. I'm an idiot. I'm Look, I can't even but rest no. on intellectual But no, then they changed his name to John Merrick, I think, for some oh, reason. thank but you. His name so was he actually couldn't Joseph even get credit Merrick. for it. No. <laughs> They're like, you, you're not. You're too ugly to be a Joseph. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, Miranda, she, um, she has to get really drunk to sort of feel adequate around detective stevens and she's on this date with him and all the other women are, are just you know ogling him um i fucking him i don't think that's in her imagination either it seems as though the women are, are looking they're probably looking at him because he's handsome yeah hopefully they're not thinking what she thinks they're thinking which is which is, which is that like what is he doing with her right i also love that the nod to like the the male bartender's looking at him too yeah. yeah it's just all the women okay so this this proves my point exactly so it doesn't yeah. make me seem like i'm some weirdo that's like hoping people compliment me and say that i'm cute or something yeah i have a friend we have a friend his name is trevor yeah oh, okay God. oh yeah trevor is objectively a very handsome man yes his face his whole setup he's got going yes is very handsome yes like there was a there was a a, a period of time where i called him just face. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and and Trevor's a wonderful person beyond that. And very mm-hmm. talented. Very just, talented. He's great. He has so much to offer. He just happens to he's be blessed. Distractingly yeah. Adonis. Yeah. yeah. And so watching this episode where Miranda's looking at all these women looking at this guy, it's almost like she's kind of like invisible. Like yeah. They can just stare at him and it's like she doesn't exist. Yes. I have been at restaurants and bars <laughs> mm-hmm. with Trevor and mm-hmm. I actually find it amazing and like it's a it's a completely unique experience where i've literally walked into a bar excuse me i've walked into a bar with him Mm -hmm. and i get to just watch everybody look at him yeah and it's it's like the everything fades away and you and to see to see people double take somebody mm-hmm. is a is a sight yeah it's like the john ham character on 30 rock yeah yes where like he doesn't know reality because like everyone just rolls out a red carpet yeah. everywhere yeah. he goes that is the danger of being super handsome when you're in the bubble nobody ever tells you the truth for years i thought i spoke excellent french 
Bazar confondant von Tir. Yeah. I mean, and, I'm sorry, but Trevor, like, as though anyone listening is like, uh, Go, this Trevor guy's an asshole. I feel no. the like, need to defend that we haven't even given a last name. But he is, like, a, also a genuinely wonderful human being. Who's, yeah. like, so funny yeah. and nice and sweet and, like, yeah. has great character and he's smart. Like, he's he's the total package. Oh, yeah. He's the whole thing. And he's a sensitive guy and he's yeah. he's a romantic guy. He's all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. He doesn't lean into that. Yeah. But it's just it's just what he looks like. And, yeah. you know. Which almost makes you angry. You're like, why couldn't yeah, you be, just be an asshole? I have know. you ever, Joe, have you ever dated a girl who, before you dated somebody like just unspeakably attractive and did it give you a complex i think i don't i i haven't dated anyone that i looked at their ex-boyfriend and was like oh my god yeah um but similarly i i have dated people where the guy before me was like such a different type of guy yeah that that sort of gave me a complex yeah. like how could you like that guy and like me that's yeah. so weird yeah oh mm-hmm. i get that like just I a really different type of that. dude yeah yeah so all of this is really overwhelming for miranda who immediately as she's noticing these people staring at detective stevens who, by the way, is trying to, like, engage her with a really interesting story about why he thought about being a lawyer, but he decided to go into law enforcement. And and meanwhile, she's just, like, clouded with these thoughts of these other people staring at him. And she orders another double vodka yeah. martini. I have a question. I feel like most hard liquor drinks involve a shot and a half yeah. or two shots already. Two ounces. Uh-huh. Ounces. Yeah. Uh, does that mean if she's ordering a double that it's like three shots of vodka? Or even four. Or even four? Yeah. Because well, that's we a did the math. load of vodka. We did the math and it said uh, six vodka martinis. No, she said, yeah, that's right. That's right. Which would be 12 shots normally. But if you're right, if she's saying double, then that's six times i went to an art school so i'm sorry i'm uh, not you, gonna uh, no, i can't let me add more like, complication to this is that carrie's voiceover says six mart six vodka martinis later does that mean six more after the two that she ordered on camera or that you know she orders a second one on camera is it then six after that because i'm I think, throwing up right now. i think yeah. whatever it is and i said this when we we're watching it i would absolutely be in the hospital yeah i'm such a lightweight it's a joke yes but i think it would have to be whatever the highest number we could think of is yeah because of where this story ends up like That's it's drastic because Woo. they they go back to miranda's and they do it yeah. But They're, the next morning when she wakes up with a massive hangover doing the classic hangover camera work, which is like you're on a you're on the boat in Jaws mm-hmm. and it's sort of seesawing back and forth as Miranda's dealing with her hangover, you know, like everything's spinning. Oh god. She finds a note from Detective Stevens, which I feel like if you're a detective you don't want to leave any evidence behind, but he did in the form of a piece of written material but he says you're an alcoholic and here's the number to your local aa um get some help please it makes you wonder what happened what took place because that's a leap i have to give an honorable mention to uh though before we blow past it the line i mean this is the episode of amazing lines and amazing moments uh miranda says i'm no mina suvari but i'm great in bed which is 
She's yeah. amazing and as Alex said, totally dates the episode. Mina but... Suvari used to come into the place I used to work. Yeah. And wow. Is she just She's... stunning in person? Yeah. Yeah. She's very attractive. Um, also, this is like the American Beauty episode because I yeah. feel like that's her what she's referencing because that's what kind of made her oh, such sure. an icon. Yeah. Uh-huh. And but there, but in the Charlotte storyline, she's asking about the roses to the gardener, and he's like, "This is a blend of American Beauty." Yeah, was Somebody this like right around the same time? It. it was. Yeah, it was like American all Beauty her age. came out in 1998, so this is a that couple years oh, later. Oh, this is a yeah. couple years later. But that you know it was still in the sure, lexicon. Sure, sure. Like, oh yeah, it, still it still around. is now. We're still talking about it. Yeah. So Miranda, I'm not sure what the Poor lesson Miranda. there is. I guess it's just believe in yourself. Don't use alcohol as a crutch to make yourself feel worthy. It's upsetting to me because I feel like, like, don't get me wrong, I love Steve more than I love myself. But I feel like this cop, this gorgeous man who seemed like a genuinely nice person, yeah, really, really turned on by Miranda, loved her, loved like love just really found her super engaging. If she hadn't fucked it up, this guy could have been a really like a winner, like a long term guy. The only and she thing, just screws yeah. the pooch. The only thing that makes me feel better is I like to imagine him as like an unspeakable racist. And he was <laughs> asking if she was Irish because if she wasn't, he would never get near her. And that he's like trying to, you know, find the perfect Caucasian Which is weird child because weren't, to bear. Didn't they call Irish people black, like, back in the day? I'm pretty sure that the, uh, the Irish were soups discriminated against. Yeah. Especially in New York City. Like, during industrialization and everything, when yeah. they were considered, like, total black sheep. I'm not making this up. This is a I? great transition to uh, Carrie's storyline, actually. Let's talk about Charlotte. Let's talk about her. So Charlotte is upstate, upstate New York. I've never been to upstate New York, but this is what I imagine upstate New York is like. A lot of like very uh, provincial estates where one who lives in the city would go to summer. And, you know, summer. Where does everyone summer? Yeah. And so Charlotte's with the McDougal clan. Trey's brother Charlie? Who knows? I wasn't even listening to uh, Trey's and, brother's and, name. And Trey's brother's hilarious wife, Drunky. Drunky. Did you say that Drunky Charlotte McDougal. and Trey? <laughs> Drunky? Like Drunky. bunny? Yeah. Um, did you say they've been married, Charlotte and Trey, for two months? Oh, is that that's true? important to establish. They say it in the voiceover. Oh, interesting. Two months. Well, it must be that... Is that, can that be because they got married and then were separated and got back together? So all that happened in two months? And tried to have a kid and then decided they were going to have a kid no, all no, in no, two no, months? No, 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 no. that stuff comes later. You forget that they're together. They get married. Oh, this is season three. This is season three. Oops-a-daisy. I think Alec is remembering the other night when he and I, like, exhausted. We also watched Sex in the City Did recreationally, <laughs> so not came, just for this show. We came home really jet-lagged the other night, and we put on some Sex in the City to, like, like fall asleep on the couch Like 4 a.m. Sex in the City. 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, so, I'm sorry. You're right. Yes. That none of that shit has happened yet. So, all that's happened is that... Uh, Charlotte and Trey got married and they're in a sexless marriage. I'm just trying to establish yes. it's only been two months. And as someone who's currently been married for a year and a month. It goes sexless about I- six months <laughs> in. Yes. <laughs> well, all I was going to say is 
I feel like the first year of our marriage went by in the blink of an eye. So it two did. months of marriage? Yeah. It's nothing. It to, it's, it's nothing. nothing. It's like you're still on the, on the yeah. honeymoon. It's crazy. Yeah. And, so, and you know what, like, when you're old, like we are now, months oh, go I, by, yeah, okay. like, opening a jar of preserves. <laughs> <laughs> like opening a jar of polydent for our dentures. So, um, yeah, it's barely been any time at all. And and uh, Charlotte really fucking embarrassed herself at the top of this episode. She fucking wore pastels at an all-white upstate New York tennis event between the McDougal clan. Can I say I relate really strongly to Charlotte's plight here of, like, like being introduced into, like, I mean, look, Charlotte is used to nice things. She appreciates nice things. She wears pearls. She clutches them when she's, like, horrified. Um, But... Her whole, like, she's in the McDougal circle, yes. but she's not because she's not wearing white, so she can't go on the tennis court. I relate because I I, I was a have-not when I started dating Alec. I still kind of am. Bless the life of an artist. But Alec's family, when I first went to Alec's, when we, were, when we first started dating a bajillion years ago, and I first came to your house... Mm-hmm. The house you'd grown up most of your childhood in. I was afraid to, like, touch anything. Mm. Because it was so big and fancy. And it seemed like a museum. Not not that it wasn't warm and welcoming. But Alex's mom ha- ran an art gallery. And she had a lot of, like, art everywhere. And I felt like some kind of podunk nobody. Mm-hmm. I guess this is the theme of the show. <laughs> it's our different southern accents. <laughs> but I felt like... I felt like Charlotte must have felt in this episode, like... Oh, like, look at this fancy family. That's all I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the idea being, like, Charlotte wore pastels. She hasn't been indoctrinated into the McDougal clan yet. Quite yet. And and uh, drunky McDougal, Trey's brother's wife. I feel like I need to draw Who's a family tree here. also lightly Southern. She seems to be. Yeah. She's like, I was taking a walk. And I saw Charlotte kissing the gardener. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, she seems but a little she's southern. Like, oh, you'll you'll you need to read the McDougal handbook, which is next to the Bible in your bedside and dresser. And Bunny says, well, "Girls, when you marry into the McDougal family, you marry into history." And Trey and his dumb dumb brother are like playing a tennis match together. I, I guess, here's a thought I had. This is just sort of a side thought but is pertinent trey and his mom are close yeah trey and bunny are close she she sits and watches him bathe and you know i mean that's got to tell you something because she's pretty insufferable Mm. Mm -hmm. is it insufferable or unsufferable insufferable you were right the first time um I don't know. That, that that says something to me. Oh, about Trey? Yeah. And his fucked upness? Totes. Yeah. Totally. Um, and so Charlotte, you know, I think this is something that, I'm not saying that it's not frustrating to go without sex for, you know, everyone has a different kind of like libido and type amount that they like and all of that. But I feel like for Charlotte to be so disturbed and frustrated two months in, and look, it's an important two months. It's the first two months of their marriage. Um, but I, I really think this is another kind of like piece of the puzzle that really adds to the idea that Charlotte is a really kind of a sexually charged person. 
despite the fact, and we've reiterated this a bunch of times in the podcast, but everyone likes to be like, I'm a Charlotte because I'm the conservative one. But, like, really, Charlotte gets around. Charlotte loves a good, strong pounding. Yes. She's a very lustful, lusty person. Yeah. As she said in the previous episode, sometimes you just want to get fucked really hard. That's right. And I. this is just another, it's like two months in, she's like, sorry, my priorities are such that, well, we'll get to that point in the episode, but yeah. yes. So she, um, you know, trays off working on a serve and she happens to see the McDougal gardener, uh, Handsome McGee. I don't remember his name. He's like a third generation McDougal Wait, gardener. his name was something that I wanted to remember because it's like... Wasn't it like, a P- like Peter or... <laughs> Did you write it down? No, I just thought of an incredibly racist thing to say. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh gosh, we need we need you need to just like play the clip where he where he says his Hold name. Hold on, I can also look yeah. on the internet movie database. So while she's looking that up, Charlotte comes upon this gardener, and he's incredibly handsome, uh, shirtless. Yeah, which I was trying to think of any gardener I've ever seen who was shirtless and I guess I haven't had the pleasure not in my neighborhood growing up yeah no. uh, oh god this is depressing on IMDb he's listed as gardener but he definitely um, had a name yeah it was like it was like <sighs> I feel like it was a p word but maybe I thought it, I don't know why I want to say duke it wasn't that cool yeah. but it was like a, kind of not a normal name yeah I feel like we have to solve this he I says it um the second time obviously they meet but right before they kiss that's right that's right she says Charlotte, and he says Gerbil or some he name. Says, I'm Joseph Gerbils. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've perfected this rose through genetic engineering. <laughs> it's the perfect rose. She says, "I'm Charlotte Trey's wife." I'm Charlotte, by the way. Trey's wife. I know. I'm, I'm Bert. 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 Duke. I'm Hi, I'm Ernie. Wow, Bert. All right, so Charlotte. Bert, what is Bert short for? Does anyone know? Um, I think Bartholomew. it's Bartholomew. <laughs> Bert, what is it Bert. short for? Bert. Hubert? Bertram? Bertram, Bertram I bet. Bertram Geis. Or Hubert. Let's see. Well, okay, so Charlotte introduces herself to Bert, Bert. the gardener, the oiled-up, lubricated... Gardener, curly haired, perfect body. Albert. Albert. Bert. Short for Albert. Or Robert, Herbert, Gilbert, Norbert, Albert. Why, if your name was Robert, would you shorten it to Bert? You Let wouldn't. me take the ugliest part of my name. You would. Everybody call me. No, that. he's obviously a Hubert. Yeah. <laughs> but by the way, Hugh. Hugh's a great just name. Call you just yourself say, Hugh. It's not like you just said Bert, by the way. Bert, by the, by the way. way, Hugh. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, she sees <laughs> she sees Bert. Yeah. And she's like blown away. Yeah. Right. She can't. She yeah. can hardly breathe. She ends up having a sex dream about yeah. him. Yeah. Where she's getting like 
very passionately sexed up. Physically, mm-hmm. like, and not to put too fine a point on it, but I'm gonna. When you're dreaming, like, there is a paralytic that is released into your system that keeps your body from physically acting out your dreams most of the time. Okay. Now, some people have, like, disorders that fuck that up, and sometimes yeah. you just have an anomalous situation. For the sake of television, I think it's just fine. But I think normally when you're running, unless you're like someone's golden retriever, you're not physically running. And right. Yeah. But she was physically taking she that dick. She was like, yeah. Oh yeah. She, yeah. She was getting Whoa. up against the headboard, yeah. pounded she out. She was in the bone zone. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. He was taking her to the bone yard. And yeah. I love. It's done so well. Trey thinks somehow, Trey thinks, it shows how much his mind is not on sex. He's like, you were having a nightmare. Yeah. And he's like, you're all wet. And yeah. And Joe Guffawed. laughed very hard. Yeah. He did. You like honk laughed. It yeah. was very funny. Yeah. yeah. So Charlotte, she's going to go ahead and play with fire because she's going to go over. Indeed. She's going to introduce herself I'm to the gardener. The gardener, he's all bicep. Bert. He's Please just call him Bert. Bountiful. Bert's got biceps Bert's got bees. he's blushing he's yeah he's those are Bert's bees right there baby Bert's bee stung lips yeah she and comments on his lips does, she does she says he is full yeah. lips. she's talking to the ladies over sushi which they don't well, often and, and eat, Samantha has the out. best line where she says what's the point of living in the suburbs if you're not gonna fuck a gardener she's absolutely right <laughs> she's not wrong so their conversation Charlotte and Bert goes like in 30 seconds from introductions to making out. Yeah, he hands her a rose and immediately they start yeah. kissing. And it's not just like, oops. And I'm, Alec, I'm glad you said playing with fire because I'm thinking about the second Sex and the City movie. Um, haters gonna hate. But where Charlotte, and maybe this is because Charlotte just knows. She tells Carrie you're playing with fire when she's heading to go have yep. dinner with Aiden. And the kiss that Carrie shares with Aiden in that second movie is the briefest of briefs. The kiss that Charlotte shares with Bert is like an open-mouthed, extended enough kiss to to where, you know, drunky McDougal is walking through the garden and, like, happens upon them, and they're still making out. Like, this is a make-out sesh. This isn't one She went there for that. She opened her mouth and stuck her tongue in Bert's yeah. Cave. Yeah. yeah. There the wasn't even cave. it was interesting that there wasn't even a moment's hesitation. It no. was interesting that they didn't kiss and then she was like, I can't and then they like yeah. you know, that would no. be like something we we've seen before. Yes. But it was like it went right into it. It's very I said I think I said aloud, I said bold. Yes. Yeah, you did. You did. She's one big blue ball though. I mean yeah. I think we have to remember that. Like yeah. when she gave herself over, she just couldn't stop. Yeah. So uh while they're making out Drunky McDougal sees them. Yeah, day player <laughs> McDougal sees. She's very funny. Sees them kissing, and in the next like family happy hour get together, she's like, "Well, I certainly had an interesting day. I went riding in the morning. In the afternoon, I took a long walk around the property and saw Charlotte kissing the gardener." Oh, I saw Charlotte kissing the gardener mm-hmm. and Bunny Again, to everyone's a perfect surprise. Moment, a perfect line. This yeah. episode is full of hilarious lines. Uh, Bunny McDougal says, Charlotte, you're a McDougal now. And sort of, Trey just sort of like takes this in silently. Uh, next time we see them, Trey uh, at night is working on his serve 
out uh, on the tennis court, obviously upset, and Charlotte confronts him, you know, to to sort of, um, you know, talk about the elephant in the room that she kissed this other man, and they're a married couple, but uh, Trey doesn't really want to talk about it. No, he's shirtless and sweaty, and again, has obviously worked very hard on his body. Yeah, which um, I thought you brought up a good point when we were watching it, which is they made sure to show that it's not some physical deficiency that Trey has yes. that makes her want to run to the gardener. It's not just because the gardener's hot. Trey's hot too. Like yeah. he's he's worked he's on his body. He's, he's got, all hot. You could you it's not about cheese that. on his abs. Yeah. yeah. No it's that not about that was a that was an interesting um distinction. Yeah. That it, that that it was it's something deeper. It's it's like a lack of desire, yeah. Not that they aren't both attractive people, and yeah. that for Charlotte, who for whom appearances mean a lot, mm-hmm. you know, she does have the perfect guy. Air quotes. He's a cardiologist. He has he's a perfect body. He's he's a very handsome man. Um, he cares about the same thing she does, propriety wise. You know, he likes to get dressed up and go out, and he's very proper. But at the end of the day, even for Charlotte, the just the pretense of perfection is not enough. She needs, as the voiceover says, the, the, the per, that perfect connection with an imperfect person. Yeah. And she says, when we get back to New York, I think we should separate. And what I think is so brilliant about this scene is that despite how serious it is, um, Trey still is totally in character when he just says, all righty. Yeah. You know, and it's not played for comedy uh, no. at all, but it's it's totally in line with his character, and um, and I thought that scene was really good, yeah, really well done, yeah, and very impactful and emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna end the episode here with with Carrie and her storyline. So where we find Carrie now is that uh, she and Big the the affair is over, she's broken up with Aiden, and she's single again. And uh, she's not sure what to do with herself. She doesn't. She doesn't know where life is going to take her now. And she joins Samantha at her Sam Jones dorm party, and there she uh, is pushed down the stairs by a couple drunk frat boys. Uh, just they like just knock into her. Mm-hmm. Natasha fell down the stairs. After discovering uh, the affair between Big and Carrie, and this comes on the heels, by the way, like the, of a of of the lunch or dinner or whatever that Carrie and the girls were at, where they where she ran into Natasha. That's what happens yeah. first. Yeah, I think that's important to establish. Um, and Natasha just walks right away. Yeah, does, doesn't want to deal. Doesn't with want that. to be in the same room as Carrie. First of not all, after she, everything she does happened. take the time to whisper to her friend. Presumably, what she whispers is, "That's, that's the, the bitch, bitch who broke up my marriage." Yeah. And the girl just glares. And I think this is such a, you know, obviously carefully chosen line that Carrie. I th- that I'm with you, Alec. This episode is so interesting and such a bold move from in storytelling and it's one of those things where they really do show you carrie warts and all um she's so self-centered and um not self-aware in many ways in this episode yeah and i love that they show us that and they allow us to not to dislike her i mean i really dislike carrie in this episode um but i love her because she's so flawed she says 
Um, to the girls after Natasha walks away, she says, I can't believe there's somebody in New York who could hate me so much. Yeah. That is so incredibly, and look, we're all the star of our own movies and, you know, of our own storyline. But for her to frame it that way really shows, that's really a very Carrie thing to say. Yes. I, uh, it reminds me of the office quote that I always loved from, uh, Jenna Fisher's character, Pam, where she says, I hate the idea uh, that anyone would hate me. I hate the idea that Al-Qaeda hates me. I feel like if they met me, they'd like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is relatable. Yeah. Um, but so so Carrie, on the way to the party at Sam Jones' dorm, um, Samantha reveals that Big and Natasha are getting a divorce. Samantha heard mm-hmm. it through the grapevine. She, a little bird she fucked at Ralph Lauren told yeah. her. <laughs> and this is devastating to Carrie because Carrie feels at least partially responsible for the dissolution of their marriage. But it's like, yes, of course, that's that's upsetting and like a very big signifier that like she really fucked something up. But like... What, she could sleep at night knowing that they were still together, but, like, now that she knows that marriage actually broke up, like, now she feels responsible? This is, like, classic self-centered behavior. Yes. It is, like, to a T, we all know someone or have done this or are doing this right now. Yes. Which is this idea that, like, she puts her hand over her mouth in shock when she hears this news but you know that there's some part of her that's like feeding off of it yeah oh for sure because like how powerful am i i broke up a oh marriage. it's officially oh they broke up and it's like of course there's like it's, it's devastating because that's that's awful and so sad and and the ramifications of it are very serious and mm-hmm. life-altering but she gets to do whatever she wants still. Yep. So even the idea of her going to meet her, to talk to her, to say her piece, is her doing what she wants. Mm-hmm. No one's yep. asking her to do it. No one says, you owe me an apology. She's doing it because she wants to do it. She's actively participating. She wants, she wants the person she hurt to make her feel better yes. about her guilt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is, you know, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but psychologists recommend that if you cheat on your partner and it's like a one-time thing and you're never going to do it again and your partner doesn't know never tell them although you might feel like the opposite is the right thing to do to come clean if you're really never going to do it again never bring it up because all you're trying to do is absolve your own guilt yep. it does nothing for the other person mm-hmm. except fuck them except up except destroy them and carry you know, apologizing to Natasha, trying to clear the air, does nothing for her. It's only to absolve Carrie of her own guilt. And what I love so much about this episode is the final scene in which Carrie figures out where Natasha's going to be for lunch, and she finds her there. And she puts on her best skin-tight, nipple-bearing, newspaper dress. dress. Newspaper yeah. dress. Like extra, extra, read all about <laughs> read, it. Read my lips, aka my <laughs> pussy lips, that you can see through this paper thin dress. Paper thin, I said it. I just feel like if I were going to meet up with, if I were going to go sideswipe, accost the woman whose husband I fucked 
many times in her marriage bed and end in her marriage. I would probably wear something a little bit less. I would wear a chunky knit. Yeah. And some sweatpants. <laughs> yeah. And, and no makeup. Yeah. No makeup. And I would be coming off of like a like a fast food binge, so I just looked swollen. Greasy and Look yeah. as bloated. bad as you can. Yeah. Look as deferent and like just absolve, like, like uh, um, supplicant as you can. Like, don't show up looking like sex on a slab. Mm-mm. What the fuck's the matter with you? Yeah. So as previously said... Carrie pours her heart out, gives her apology. I'm so sorry. I heard about your marriage. And it's just so terrible. I never, never meant for any of this to happen. And if there was something that I could do to take it all away, I would. But I can't. So I came here today because I needed to say how sorry I am. I am deeply sorry for what I did to you. It was wrong. And I'm sorry. It sort of hangs in the air for a moment. Then Natasha says, I'm sorry too. And Carrie makes a face like, oh, this is really going well. Here we this go. This is sort of like how I envisioned this moment would happen. Oh, also, Carrie asks Natasha if she can have a sip of water. Oh. Yes, at, from at the table. her lunch which carrie was not invited I could just to just die was, she's like can i she, have a sip of this when she yeah. sits down i love natasha saying i'm gonna scream yeah and she's like please don't I yeah just talk it's to great you. it's so real it's perfect yeah. uh and uh but but natasha surprises carrie because carrie i guess is just so naive uh, and essentially says, like, I never, I wish Big had never gone to Paris. I wish Big and I had never met. I wish we had never gotten married. I'm sorry, too. You are? Yes, I'm sorry about it all. I'm sorry he moved to Paris and fell in love with me. I'm sorry that we ever got married. I'm sorry he cheated on me with you, and I'm sorry that I pretended to ignore it for as long as I did. I'm sorry I found you in my apartment, fell down the stairs and broke my tooth. I'm very sorry that after much painful dental surgery, this tooth is still a different color than this tooth. Finally, I'm sorry that you felt the need to come down here. Now not only have you ruined my marriage, you've ruined my lunch. I guess that's just what I have to say. I wish he hadn't cheated on me with you. Uh, You ruined my marriage and now you've ruined my lunch. Mm. And that lets Carrie know exactly how Natasha feels about this apology, which is it's not appreciated. And then right in that moment it sort of hangs in the air and then a gentleman approaches and it's like natasha and so clearly that's her date that she's been waiting for for lunch Mm -hmm. carrie gets up and leaves and now we're in this like you know karmic place where it's like oh everything led to today in this moment right now where now natasha's a single person carrie's Mm -hmm. a single person potentially Mm -hmm. big as a single person Mm -hmm. and we get this like really specific 
cinematic slow motion shot of Carrie yes. walking to the street corner. Yes. That's jarring. Yep. And it it's, goes on for a very It goes long on for time. a really long time and it's like full tit bounce. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean she looks incredible. Fat, yes. Supple tits. Yes. Just nipples bared, hair just the those those smize eyes. Yeah. 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 And I you know, I, I suppose we're supposed to feel I think that's what's interesting about that moment it, is it, it doesn't telegraph how we're supposed to feel about Carrie or her journey, where she's at emotionally. I think you sort of leave that episode um, unclear. Well, I think it's what you said where, and I think a lot of shows do this now, is like if it's a 10-episode season, the ninth episode leaves you leaves more of a cliffhanger yeah and the 10th episode sets up the next season yeah so this episode ending that way it sort of feels like well where do we go from here and then they're going to tell us in the next one that's a great point it's sort of like walt at the end of season four in the basement all the money's gone. He's laughing hysterically. Yeah. Or every Game of Thrones season, the ninth episode is like, well, yeah. fuck, here we go. Yeah. yeah. I do feel like in this one, there is there like a bus goes by and you see her reflect. She's looking at her own reflection in the bus. I suppose it's not, I mean, it's still not direct. You still have to kind of like make of it what you will. But I, I wonder if they're trying to say that like she's, that speech from Natasha, that moment that she got that was so unexpected for her like made her look at herself and maybe she saw what we saw i don't know yeah i don't think that's i don't think that's a stretch there's definitely it there's that you know there's in a long slow motion like that where there's no interaction it definitely feels reflective in some way Mm -hmm. that she's in her own head Mm -hmm. and we're not getting you know we're not we're not being told how to feel with a voiceover or something like that. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. It's a little bit more. It just it felt more cinematic and sort of um, almost like a music video. Yeah. Mm, yes. It very did. Much so it's really fun to watch. I could use that entire sequence like on a loop. Yeah. On like a YouTube video mm-hmm. where someone puts that on for like ten, 10 hours, mm-hmm. like yes. Jeff Goldblum laughing in yes. Jurassic Park. That just becomes <laughs> that becomes absurdist. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, it was so wonderful having you on. It's always a pleasure. I'll come back anytime. Uh, And um, yeah, we're almost at the end of season three here. And then Season four, this is really from season four until the end. These are the moments that people. These are the moments. Thank you. I thank God that I'm alive. Thank you. Um, These are the moments that people really cherish. I hope you dance. (laughs) I don't know why that. (laughs) Can I say this is unrelated to anything, but I have to say it. Um, my first real job um, was working in a tanning salon. That's right, y'all. I'm from the South. And those things are a fucking institution in the South. And I worked 
sometimes like later in my tenure there, I would be allowed to like work the front desk and help schedule people's appointments. But for the most part, my job consisted of um, wiping down the fucking tanning booths after people sweat, just pools of sweat in them, like disinfecting them and wiping them down. Yeah, really glamorous. And doing like laundry, uh, washing the rags and towels and stuff, and then disinfecting the goggles that people would use when they went into the tanning booths. But the plus side was I got to tan for free, y'all. Um, and and when I was working there, that song was I hope incredibly you popular. And I feel like every time you could, when you were in the tanning bed, you could, there were radios in every room yeah. and you could put on the radio mm-hmm. and Kiss 95.1 mm-hmm. was like always my radio station of choice there in Charlotte. Um, and that song came on all the time. And I feel like it was also Faith Hill's this kiss, this kiss. And um, whenever um, I hear, about- <laughs> whenever, whenever. What do you I, think you're Brad Pitt or something? That too. Whenever I Hope You Dance comes up, I always am immediately transported to that smell of tanning, like tanning lotion, tanning booth, the feeling of laying there in like the bright UV whatever yes. and hearing that song play. Yes. Um, when, I, when I was just a mere 16, a supple 16. I hope you still feel small when you're standing beside the ocean. <laughs> uh, fuck me where I'm small. <laughs> oh! <laughs> bringing it back you guys what a great episode um and uh what a what a journey we've been on and until next time carry carry on. on